0: Today we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. We're really taking a survey of the church, really evaluating the church as we see what God has taught us uh, through the early church. And and as we do that, today I I come to these verses, and I want to tell you, in the day that we're living in today, very honestly, churches are a mess. Churches look around, they are missing their purpose. Honestly, they, they do not know their purpose and so they're not serving their purpose. Now, there's a lot of churches doing a lot of things, but they're not serving their purpose. Very sadly today, churches are distorting the truth of God's Word. Churches are. They're actually promoting the distortion of the truth of the Word of God. Today, for most part, the church is missing, and I think this is the saddest thing in a day when the world desperately needs the message of the forgiveness and the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The church is missing when the world is clamoring, looking for hope. And because of that today, look around. Families are suffering. We're so smart, we're so educated. We have all these things. We have a little blip for a week and we think the world has ended. Listen, because of that, families are suffering today. Homes are suffering today. Kids are suffering today. Because of that, people are suffering today. Today, the church is in dire crisis. I'm telling you that this morning. The church is in dire crisis, and the reason is listen very carefully there is a crisis in the pulpit of those churches. And that's what I'm coming to tell you today as we look at our verses. There is a crisis in the pulpit of those churches. Friends, in our churches, there is a failing today in the office of pastor. Now, let me tell you, you're not gonna hear many pastors say that. I don't think you'll hear this message anywhere else, but I wanna tell you, in the church today, there is a failing in the office of pastor. We need to be very sure this morning, our world will suffer, our churches will falter, as long as there is. Today, I'm gonna preach a weird sermon about pastors. Now, it's weird because I am one, but I wanna tell you, I do so this morning unapologetically. I do so this morning confidently because I'm directed by the word of God. Our message this morning is entitled, God Bless Our Pastor. God Bless Our Pastor. We're in Acts chapter 14, we're going to wrap up the 14th chapter, verses 23 through 28. Acts chapter 14, verses 23 through 28. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Verse 23 begins, it continues. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we are thankful. We're thankful for the snow. We're thankful for the moisture. We're thankful for your provision. We're thankful for the sun that comes out again. Lord, I'm thankful for your church and the grace and the provision that you've given us through it. I'm thankful for these that have gathered today. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to come and to worship you and to to lift up the name, the only name that gives us hope, Jesus. And Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray that it would actually be what is intended, a supernatural event. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word. And I pray you would direct us today, that you would shape us today. And I pray the fruit of that is a church that draws closer to you, a church that exists and stands in your will, and a church that points to the hope of man, Jesus. Lord, have your way in our service. Move in our service. I pray in this very hour, if there's one in this room that does not know you, that in the hearing of the good news of a gracious, kind saver that today might be the day of their salvation, move in our midst. We love you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In our verses today, as we continue moving through Acts, we come to the place where we wrap up what's called the first missionary journey of Paul. Now, he's going to make several such journeys. This is the actual record of what is called the first missionary journey of Paul. If you remember the account, he was in Antioch. He is there preaching in Antioch, and the church there sent Barnabas and Paul out from their church. They pray for them, they commission them, and they send them out of their church. Well, they leave Antioch, and they go to Cyprus. And remember, that's the first place. They travel the length, the 90 miles of that island, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. They go there to Papros, from there to Perga, and from there they go to Pisidian, Antioch. The continuation of the journey, they go from there to Iconium, to Lystra, and the Bible says they're at Lystra and all the surrounding regions, so not just that city, but the surrounding region, and then it says they go to Derby, as well. This was a journey of hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles by sea, hundreds of miles on foot across land. And across this journey, the consistent thing is this, they have preached the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. Now that's a very telling thing, as they go, they are consistent that they preach the good news of Jesus Christ. They have made abundantly clear, Jesus, the Nazarene, he is the Christ, that he died for sin, that he is the hope for sinners, that he has risen victoriously from the dead, and by faith in him, we are saved. By faith alone in Jesus, there is salvation. And that has been the consistent message of their entire journey. They have traveled tirelessly. They have endured hardship. They have been beaten with rods. They have been chased out of more than one town. At one stop, Paul is stoned and actually left for dead. And yet we see across this journey, they are relentless in preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Last week we saw instead of taking the short route back to Antioch, they're there in Derby. Instead sort of taking the short route back, the short route back, the easy way, the safe way home, they again travel the road back through all of those dangerous places. Now listen, they've preached the gospel. Folks have been saved. They've been faithful. They could have just gone home. They could have taken the easiest route. But instead, they go back the dangerous way that they came in order, remember last week, to encourage them in their walks and grow them as disciples in the teaching of the word of God. And so you know what? They have the possession of the gospel. They have received the gospel. Well, now they take the dangerous route and they go back to teach them, to set them on firmer ground on the foundation of the word of God. Well, today we see the last leg of that journey. They are faithful, and now we read they make the last stops, and they return to Antioch, the church that had sent them out. Now, let me read verses 24 through 26 altogether. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. Verse 26 says they returned to the church that led by God, trusted them to the grace of God, and sent them out, the Bible says, for the work that they had accomplished. Let me read verse 27. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they get back home, they gather the church, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, in in verse 27, I want us to think about all of the things that have happened in just this short while. Some folks may go a whole lifetime and not see all the things that they saw in just this short while. Think about how many people must have been saved all across Cyprus, in and Antioch, in Iconium. Think about all the people in Lystra that heard for the very first time the good news of a risen Savior. Most likely Timothy was saved in this journey of Paul. Think about all the influence that comes out of this journey. Think about those that are saved that now tell somebody else. Think about those that are saved that lead a next generation to Christ. Think about Timothy as he becomes a pastor. Think about the influence as it swells out of this trip. The gospel had gone to the Gentiles, the Bible says. God had worked mightily, the Bible says, and they began telling the stories. Now, can you imagine this? They've been gone. You've prayed for them. You've been praying for them while they're gone. And now they've come back and the church has assembled. And they began to tell the stories of of folks that got saved, of when we went to this place and when we preached the gospel. And they they say, you know what, there's a guy at Lystra that he he was not able to walk since birth. But you know when we left. He was walking. He was running around. They say, you know what, Paul was stoned. You should have seen their faces when he walked back into town. Maybe Paul says, oh, you always tell that story. He rubs the knot on his head. I want us to notice one thing in verse 27. We need to get this. It says, listen to this. They began to report all things that God had done with them. Listen to that. They began to report all things that God had done with them. Them. Church, I want us to be very sure this morning. God works, God moves, God does mighty things when his people are faithful and obedient. Do you see that's what they said? They didn't come back and say, Oh, we did this. They said, God did this with us. Do not miss that. Sometimes we sit around today in the church and we say, we wish it was like it was. Oh, we'd love to see a revival today. Oh, when is God gonna move? Listen, God will move, God will work when his people walk in faithful obedience. You know when we'll see a revival? When we start telling folks about Christ. You know when we'll see God shape our families? When we uphold the word of God. We will see God do mighty things alone when we are faithful and obedient to what he's called us to do. They went out, they saw mighty things, they came back and said, let us tell you what God did with us. Verse 28, and they spent a long time with the disciples. I read that and I think, good job, man, good job, mission accomplished. They're back in the fellowship, maybe they're teaching in that church again. Maybe they're healing up from all the beatings they have taken. But they spent a long time with the disciples. That's the account. Today I want to focus in on their last act before they come home. And that's that's where I want to point us to today. And I want to teach out of that last act that we find in verse 23. Let me read verse 23 again. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They had preached the gospel in all of these places. They had led people to Christ in all of these places. They have gone back to the dangerous cities to again teach the word and encourage them, setting them a stronger foundation of the word of God. And their last act before they go home, their last act before they return to Antioch, listen to verse 23 again, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Get this. When people are saved, they are the church. Now we make an individual decision to follow Jesus Christ, but when we make that individual decision, God places us in the church. And so when folks get saved, they become the church. When folks get saved, they are the church. Now I watch today in our day, in our time, and people have all of these church planting, have you heard that word, church planting ideas. And, and our mission boards, they're worried about church planting and churches today take up the cause of church planting. And there are all of these schemes and all of these ideas about church planting. Well, understand, when people are saved in the hearing of the gospel, they are the church. And so there's not a scheme to starting churches. What you do is you lead people to Jesus Christ and they become the church. They are the church. And so they have preached, folks have been saved, they are the church, they have taught the church, and their last act, watch this, is to put leadership in those churches. Their last act, they're getting ready to go back to Antioch, is to put leadership in those churches. Their last act, very simply, is to place a pastor in those churches. Now, they are leaving, they are going home, and just the simple logistics of that, because of that, their influence will wane. You know what, Paul was here, Barnabas was here, they were teaching us the truth, but they are leaving. And because they're leaving, and because it may be some distance before they come back, their influence will wane. Well, because of that, they leave pastors in the churches, they leave a pastor in the church. Now from that, from this verse, I want us to see a couple of things today. And as I said, as I started this sermon, these are important things, vital things, in a dire time in the church today. And so I want us to see a couple of things. The first is this, God's plan is for a local pastor, to stand in each local church. Listen very carefully, that's important. God's plan is for a local pastor to stand in each local church. Now notice there are pastors, they appointed elders, pastors, that is plural, in every church. There are more than one church, there's more than one church. Churches are also plural. And so, understand, when they left, every church, each church got a pastor. Now, that is what the church needed. They are leaving. Their influence is going to wane. That is what God intended. Listen very carefully. There is not a pope over all the churches There's not a pope over the cardinals who's over the bishops that's over the priests. There is a pastor in each local church. The word elders here, pointed elders, is a word that's really interchanged with three other words in the New Testament. So we're in the New Testament. These words are interchangeable. These words are all titles for the same office. Titles for the same office. The first one is presbyter. It translates elder. It literally means aged one. Now, since I'm young, that can't be true. And so what it means is a position of authority. A position of authority. Presbyter, elders, that's one of the titles. Another title that we see in the New Testament is overseer an overseer, we're gonna see some verses in a moment. That is one who presides over the assembly. So we see a presbyter, an elder, we see an overseer, one that presides over the assembly, and the other title is pastor. It means caregiver. It it literally is a shepherd, pastor, shepherd of the church. Jesus is the great shepherd, and the pastor is the under-shepherd, under Christ in the church. And so we see these three terms, these three titles, elder, pastor, overseer, and they are all interchangeable, describing the same office in the church. God's plan is for each local church to have its own local pastor. Now there is a lot to that. And I I was looking And making notes, there's a lot to that. There's a lot of of good that comes out of that. There's a lot of wisdom in that, of course, from God. But let me ask you, why is that a big deal? Well, let me just give you one reason. Let me ask you the question today, who does the pastor answer to? I've heard that before. Who does the pastor answer to? Well I want to tell you what the what the teaching of scripture is. It is not some other person. It is not some greater office. It is not a pope. Listen, it is not a denomination. It is not a convention, are you listening? The pastor answers to Jesus Christ. And so the local pastor The local church has a local pastor not responding to a convention, not responding to a board somewhere else voting, not responding to a pope who has been placed. They have a local pastor who is under the shepherd Jesus Christ. Today, there's a lot of consternation, and and I see it in our denomination. I see it in the Methodist denomination, other denominations as well, and people go around and they talk about, what about the direction of our denomination? What about the direction of our denomination? They're, they're voting about this. They're voting about these liberal ideas. What about the leaning today of the convention? Oh, have you seen how the convention is leaning? What about what they think? What about how they vote? Listen very carefully today. We hold the word of God led by an under shepherd who answers to Jesus Christ, and that is God's plan. Let me see, show you something else here. The local church has a local pastor. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. The pastor is placed by God. The pastor is called by God. Now the verse says there, when they had appointed elders, verse 23 when they had appointed elders. Now, here it's talking about Paul and Barnabas. They, they are the ones they, when they, Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders. Now, the word appoint, listen to this, literally translates to vote by stretched out hand. It's a show of hands. It means to commission by vote. In other places in the book of Acts, the church votes the church decides. Here it is the apostles who vote and decide. They get together and say, this is the one, they choose. That's where we get our idea of a search committee. They choose, but I want you to see this, but notice who calls and who places. These apostles, they got together and said, these are the pastors for these churches. In other places, the whole church decided these are gonna be our leaders. They choose, but I want you to see who calls and places. Notice the verse says here, having prayed and fasted. Having prayed and fasted. Here's the truth. God had the leader. Paul and Barnabas had to fast and pray to discern who his leaders were. God had the leader. God called the pastor. Now, they were serious to hear from God. They were committed to discern what God had led, so much so that the Bible says they spent time praying and fasting. Listen to me very carefully. Hear this. It is not the job of the church to decide what they want in their pastor. It is the duty of the church to hear who God has as the pastor. I watched today and today in this process there are actually matchmaking companies that you can hire to pick your next pastor. There's companies that will come and they will help you solicit applications and they will they will come and help lead you in the process. Our convention will see send some folks and they'll help lead you in that process. I watched today and it's a very frequent thing. Churches build profiles of the pastor they are seeking, and they build a list saying, we would like him between the age of 34 and 52, we'd like this level of education, we'd like this number of kids, we'd like him to be married this long, and we'd like him to be involved in the community, it'd be good if his kid was the high school quarterback, and they build a profile of the pastor they are seeking. True story, it is a common thing. They take surveys of the church. What would you like to see in your new pastor? We've begun the search process. They actually take surveys of the community around the church, not the folks in the church. They go to those around the church and say, "What would you like to see in a pastor in that local church?" And there's all of these steps to choosing a pastor. Folks, be very clear here. How do you choose a pastor? You shut your door and you get on your knees and you seek God because he places the pastor in the local church. That is how you pick your pastor. Third thing to note. The first, the local church has a local pastor. Second, the pastor is called and placed by God. And the third thing is he is empowered by God. That local pastor called by God Is empowered by God. Let me read the end of verse 23. Having prayed with fasting, they commended them, they appointed elders, plural, for every church, plural. They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The word for commended means turned over, it ultimately means they trusted them to the Lord. They gave them over, trusted them to the Lord. If God called them, they are gonna trust that God would lead them. Now I want you to think about this. If Paul were running a corporation, if Paul were running a, a, a company, if Paul were running a church today the way some folks do like a corporation, He might say, well, here's who God has chosen, but this may be a mistake, or this may never work, or he may make a left turn when we need to make a right, or when I leave here, I'm gonna lose control. Now, honestly, he could have said, I am the apostle, I started the church, preaching the gospel, I led him to Christ, I will lose control if I just leave him here. Here's what he does. He prays. He seeks God, he trusts God in his answer, and he turns them, the pastors, over to God. I don't know how hard that was for Paul. Maybe he was ready to go. But maybe he said, oh, Lord, don't let false teachers creep in. Oh, Lord, don't let them mess this up. Oh, Lord, there's lost folks that need to hear the gospel. What if he couldn't let it go of control? He prayed, he sought God, he trusted God, and so he turned them over to God, and he went home. Listen, that is God's plan. That's how he set it up. We st- they started churches by leading people to Christ. Christ. They built up and encouraged those churches in the teaching of the word. They placed pastors in those churches, leaders in those churches in the direction of God and then he loads the boat and goes home. God's plan. And When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now today there is so much misunderstanding, today there's so much misteaching, and there's so much misapplication today, and there's harm that's being done, great harm that's being done. And so before we move to the 15th chapter, that's where we'll go next week, I, I want to show you three things that that pastor is to do now. Listen, that is God's plan. That is His wisdom. That's what we see is carried out in verse twenty-three. But I want to show you from God's word three reasons why they do that. Three reasons why they exist, and I want I want to show you that before we move on. The first thing is this. Get this. What is the pastor to do? Why is he there? Why has he been placed? What is the pastor to do? The first thing is this. Listen carefully. He is to be totally committed to the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. I can't say that strongly enough. Everything else will flow out of that. What is that pastor supposed to do in that local church? He is to be totally committed to the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. I don't know if you heard that. He is to be totally committed to the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Let me show you some verses. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 says this, listen very carefully. But we request of you, brethren, Christian, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give instruction. Those who diligently labor in giving instruction. Those who diligently, these are God's words, labor in giving instruction. First Timothy chapter five, verse 17. The elders, there's one of those words, the pastor, the overseer, the shepherd, the elder, there's the word that's interchangeable. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, listen very carefully, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. This is the word of God. Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Listen very carefully. The primary job of the pastor of the church is to preach the word of God not self-help, not pop culture, not what is socially acceptable, not what is politically correct. The job of the pastor is to preach the word of God. The Bible says to work hard at it, to labor at it, to sweat over it, to carry the burden of it, to work hard laboring at the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. I'm going to tell you something needs to be said. I'm going to warn you about something you need to see. Today there are many pulpits, and I say many, that are in the practice of buying their sermons online. And I can tell you five or six websites and they'll give you six sermons. They'll give you the bulletin inserts. They'll give you the things to put on your screens. One of them even give you a free t-shirt with the sermon title on the shirt. Saw a guy wearing the shirt. Folks are buying their sermons online. Our pulpits today are full of plagiarism. People copying other sermons, preaching them like they're their own. It's not rare. Sadly, it's very common. I once was in a car. And I don't know how I got in that car, but they had a bunch of pastors in a car, and we were in a meeting in Dallas, and we were headed to the lunch break, and there's five or six of us in the car. And while we're riding, one of these guys says, where are y'all getting your sermons? And I thought the guy was joking. I thought the guy's guys joking over there. And I said, well, I've, I've got a subscription service, and they just mail them to my office. And nobody laughed. And then they begin to say, sermon Central." They begin to say, "Lifeway.Whatever." And they begin to tell us where we got where they got their sermons. Well let me just tell you and I'm just going to say it, and it's time to say it. If you are buying your sermon, if you're preaching TD. Jake's sermons and acting like they're your own, if you're not laboring in the word of God, to preach the very word of God, at least you've become lazy and you're sinning against the calling that God has placed in your life or most likely you were never called of God to preach the word of God. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Who cares, it's it's all formatted, The, the formula's still there. Three points, make it rhyme, put a good story at the end. Who cares? Who cares? Church, I want you to be very sure today, and I want you to hear me. It is the word of God that is living and active. It is the word of God that is powerful, able to change a sinner's heart. It is the word of God that changes our lives. It is the word of God that he has promised it will not return empty. It is the word of God that leads us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It is the word of God that is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And most of all, it is the word of God that leads us to the living word, Jesus our hope and our Savior. And so preachers preach the word of God. So the first thing we see, what's he there for? What's he to do? He's to work hard preaching and teaching the word of God. Second thing, what does he do? Why is he there? Second thing, he oversees the church. He oversees the church. I'm going to turn. You can just listen or you can turn there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He oversees the church. All right, listen to the verses. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory. That is to be revealed, verse two. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. These two verses, this is a picture of a shepherd. It's where we get our term pastor. Like the shepherd oversees the flock, the pastor, he oversees the church. He shepherds the church. The Bible says that is the will of God. Now, surely there's a better plan. Surely we could up and improve on that. No, that is the plan of God. Now, how do you shepherd the church? I'm gonna tell you three ways you shepherd the church. The first thing it means is this, you lead the church. There is a God-given authority, given and placed in the pastor, and he is to pray, and he is to discern, and he is to lead the church. Be very sure today, especially in our world, the church today needs not pastors who are vote takers, need, it needs not pastors that are people pleasers, the church today needs pastors that are leaders. Listen, in line with the word of God and burning to step in the will of God and walking in the direction of God, they are to lead the church of God. To shepherd means to lead, the shepherd would lead the sheep. It also means to protect, to protect the church to fight for the church, to fight against false teachers and false teaching, to fight against divisive people, to fight against the enemies of the church, to fight against false doctrine that's ever present trying to spring up in the church, The pastor, part of his care for the church is to fight for the church. We need pastors that will sacrifice for the church, not for themselves, not for the career they're building, but for the church they are serving. Third thing it means to pastor, to shepherd, it means to care for the church, to love the church, support, invest, in the church pray for the church that shepherd he cares for the sheep I don't know if any of y'all have a have cattle it's not it's not something that you hate the cattle it's not something that you don't name the new ones that are born and the one that was struggled and all there there's old icy over there I remember the year he was born she was born they these shepherds they care for the church so the overseer they pasture the flock they shepherd the church All right, so that brings us to the third thing. First is this, they work hard at the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Second thing, they oversee the church. They lead, protect, and care for the church. Third thing is this. Now, I want to tell you, it's from the Bible. It's not from Ric Flair, but it is this. He walks the walk. The pastor walks the walk. Now, let me show you that's in Scripture, 1 Peter 5, 3 not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving, that means tested, that means consistent, that means over time, but proving to be examples to the flock. Now, yes, they're people, yes, they sin, yes, they mess up, yes, they get off track, but the consistent pattern is proving to be examples for the flock. We need pastors today that lead by example. We need pastors that talk it in their pulpits, yes, but they live it every day, not for a paycheck, not to fill a spot, not to meet somebody's expectations, even when the cost is great, even when it's a very unpopular thing, even when it becomes a very lonely place. And the reason, listen very carefully, and the reason they would do that is this, because they Love Christ because they've been redeemed in the grace of Christ, because they understand who understand who we have in our Savior Jesus, because they found the goodness of Jesus, because they see the truth of our Savior Jesus, and Jesus is all the world to them. He's everything to them, and if they live, it's Jesus, and if they die, it's Jesus, and we need pastors that do those things. Why, not for a check, not because somebody told them to, not because somebody placed them there, but because they see and they love Jesus. Oh, what could God do with pastors that love Jesus? God bless our pastor. Let me bring all that together for us. Maybe you're thinking, what in the world is this all about? It is God's grace and God's plan that he places you in a church. Get out of it and suffer. It is God's grace and God's plan that he places you under a pastor. Do you see that? It is his grace to you, his plan for you that he places you under a pastor. You need a pastor. And friend, I can't say it enough. You will suffer outside of the care of a faithful, Christ-loving pastor. You will suffer, but at the same time, God will bless you. God will, and he will lead you, and he will care for you, and he will direct you in the care of his pastor. You need a pastor. So again, God bless our pastor. Do you know the reason for all of that? Let me just tell you. It is because Paul, in the wisdom of God, loved lost people enough to wanna lead them to Christ. It is because Paul, and the wisdom of God, knew the best thing for them is to continue to grow in Christ and lead others to Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Your hope today is in Jesus. My hope today alone is in Jesus. The hope of a messed up, goofy, crazy world this week is in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're sitting there and you're just burning with with anger, hostility, regret, and your answer's in, in Christ, in Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're tired of the weight of your sin, the guilt, the garbage, you bear because you've done those things and you stand under the condemnation of it? And I want to tell you your answer today is Jesus. He loves you. He's died for you. He's paid your penalty. It's finished in Christ. Turn and trust Jesus. That's the point to all this. Trust Jesus. God bless our pastor. Let's pray. During Father, we week and I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your truth, And most of all, I'm thankful for your grace and your kindness that has blessed me through it. I'm thankful for faithful pastors, pastors that stood, pastors that endured, pastors that held firm the word of God. I'm thankful, Lord. Lord, I I pray for this church. I pray that you would bless us together, that you would use us together. I pray in these days that we would be a beacon of the light of the good news of a risen Savior. Lord, we come and I pray for some here that may not know you. I pray that in the hearing of peace and hope in in our Savior Christ, Jesus, that today they might turn to you. Pray that you would move, pray that you'd work, pray that any hindrances would be be held back, removed. I pray that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray for us as a church as we move through another week of this study that we draw one step closer to you and we stand faithfully in your plan as your church. Use us mightily, Lord, We give all this to you. We tell you we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.